everyone, I'm Amy Ferguson, and welcome to the Compliance Insider Podcast, brought to you by Compliance Systems. The Compliance Insider brings you discussions about industry developments that impact your financial institution, with expert guests and analysis to help you navigate change and evolve your business. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Compliance Insider Podcast. In this episode, we'll discuss the FTC's proposed rule on motor vehicle sales and disclosures and the potential impacts it may have on lenders and the industry as a whole. Today we'll be speaking with Amy Winkleman and Greg Fribley, attorneys with Compliance Systems who manage our consumer lending documents. Thanks Amy and Greg for joining me today. Yeah, thanks thanks for for having me. So we know the FTC issued a proposed rule in June that would regulate motor vehicle sales and what dealers would be required to disclose to address concerns of consumer deception. So to say the least, there has been a strong industry response to some aspects of the proposed rule. Yes, Amy, that is not an overstatement. Well, before we start working through the potential impacts of dealers and lenders, let's back up and level set the proposed rule. What are the substantive areas of regulation within the proposed rule? Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack here, of course, but you can probably break most of them down into four categories, prohibited misrepresentations, disclosure requirements, dealer charges for add-ons, and record-keeping. Okay, so what potential misrepresentations are we talking about here? Well, a lot of the prohibited misrepresentations are related to the vehicle's cost. Um, These include the cost or terms of the purchasing, financing, or leasing of the vehicle, any costs or limitations or benefits for add-ons for vehicles, or the service um, and availability of rebates factored into the price, but that might not be available to all consumers. Um, And then whether consumer reviews or ratings are unbiased, um, independent, or ordinary consumer reviews. All right. So uh, I'm assuming that the proposed disclosure requirements are intended to work together with the prohibited misrepresentations. Uh, Yes, that's right. The disclosure requirements section of the rule specifies different categories of required disclosures, and they intersect with an accurate, more complete breakdown of the potential costs and actual costs. Um, These disclosure requirements are proof of compliance with the rules language and prohibited misrepresentations. Can you give us some examples? There's a, yeah, for example, there's a proposed requirement that a vehicle's offering price must be disclosed in any advertisement that expressly or by implication references any particular vehicle. Um, And the offering price must also be disclosed in any time a dealer has a first response to any communication that references a specific vehicle. Um, failure to disclose that price would be considered a UDEP violation. For example, a potential UDEP violation could occur if a customer makes a general inquiry whether a particular vehicle has a certain feature, and then the dealer responds confirming it does or does not have that feature, but fails to respond with the offering price. That could be a potential violation, even though the price wasn't the subject of the consumer's inquiry. Uh, another significant area for new disclosures is around the subject of add-ons. Dealers must present customers with add-on lists if they charge indirectly or directly for any add-on products or services. This list must be presented with each website, um, online service, or mobile application operated by or on behalf of the dealer and at the dealership. Beyond that, the proposed rule states that dealers can't charge for any add-on products or services if the consumer would not be benefiting from it. So, okay. What would constitute an add-on, and what might be an add-on that consumers don't actually benefit from? Yeah, so add-on products and services can be pretty varied. They include anti-theft devices, tinted windows, and gap insurance. 
The proposed rule did give some examples in their rule. For instance, the nitrogen-filled tires are a non-beneficial add-on. In addition, it included any kind of duplicative warranty coverage, which would be another example of a non-benefit. The rule also references gap protection insurance and states that it sometimes provides no benefit when loan-to-value ratios are low. But the rule doesn't really specify what low is. It also doesn't take into account potential benefits related to GAP products like insurance deductible reimbursements. So, Amy, you mentioned record keeping as one of the other substantive areas in this proposed rule. What kind of record keeping requirements are we actually talking about? Yeah, sure. The rule would require dealers to maintain records with a two-year retention period. Any records related to advertising, add-on products, add-on lists, customer inquiries about add-ons or vehicles, dealer responses, financing documents, whether a sale was finalized or not, and consumer declinations are required to be retained by the rule. Okay. Um, So I want to make sure that we talk about compliance and implications for lenders. Uh, Are these related? Uh, Yeah, I mean, they are related. So the rule requires certain financial disclosures, including the total amount of payments and consideration for the financing or leasing. Uh, The rule doesn't address how this requirement is any different than the total sales price that's required to be disclosed for credit sales under the Truth in Lending Act, or if it is the same, whether the Truth in Lending Act disclosures as they currently exist will sufficiently satisfy this rule. The proposed rule is essentially intended to complement state regulations and other laws. Uh, Where the proposed rule is stricter than those other laws and regulations, then it is effective. But there is still a great deal of ambiguity where some of these provisions overlap or contradict with other regulations that dealers must comply with. Okay, interesting. So how does this affect lenders? The proposed rule increases the complexity of auto transactions for dealers, and then the FTC's holder rule allows a plaintiff to bring any claim against a contract holder that they could assert against the original seller. So the contract holder is often a financial institution that purchased the retail installment contract from the dealer. In such a case, it won't matter if the misconduct underlying the claim was wholly on the part of the dealer and not the bank or credit union or their financial institution. So the added obligations for dealers could become a problem for lenders. Exactly. Financial institutions that buy retail installment contracts from auto dealers should take note of this proposed rule and the potential compliance issues that could be created by it. Should a dealer fail to meet the requirements of the proposed rule, it could ultimately cost the financial institution more than they bargained for through the FTC's holder rule if a consumer were to find a deficiency and bring a claim based on the dealer's representations or disclosures. Okay, so that makes sense. Um, I understand that the public comment period on the rule closed in September. Did our consumer lending team offer any input to the FTC? Yes, Amy, we did. And there were over 27,000 comments submitted along with our own. We understand that the purpose of the proposed rule is consumer protection, and our comments were really directed at ensuring that this purpose is served by the rule. We consider the multiple overlapping disclosures proposed and their potential to overwhelm consumers who are already inundated with information during the auto purchase process. As was done with other major rules affecting disclosures, like TRID, we recommended that the FTC conduct consumer studies to assess the effectiveness of the requirements prior to any rule finalization. All right. Well, that certainly seems logical. Uh, Did we make any other recommendations? Yeah, we did. We also suggested that model forms would help provide a clear path to compliance. Without model forms, compliance is more subjective and consumers stand to encounter more confusion. 
when they comparison shop and can't find apples-to-apples disclosure content between dealers. And our commentary also noted that auto shopping and purchasing experience has evolved behind the brick-and-mortar dealership model, and it did seem to us that the proposed rule was more focused on that channel. Some of the proposed requirements don't apply in the same way to online shopping and purchasing, and we know that there continues to be considerable growth in that area. Yeah, there really has. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how the FTC works with all these public comments to craft a final rule. Thanks, Amy and Greg, for walking us through some of the details. Thanks, Amy. You've been listening to The Compliance Insider, a podcast about industry developments impacting financial institutions. Thank you for choosing this episode. Please follow Compliance Systems on LinkedIn and Twitter for more news.